What do you want? You're locked on to the big show. Presented by Big O Tires. Just doing it big, you know. Stop by your locally owned Big O Tires for no credit needed financing and the best prices on winter tires. Big O Tires, the team you trust. This is 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. This is The Big Show with Gordon Monson and Jake Scott, presented by Big O Tires. Stop by your locally owned Big O Tires for no credit needed financing and the best prices on winter tires. Big O Tires, the team you trust. This is 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. It is The Big Show. Gordon Monson, Jake Scott, 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Thank you very much for making us a part of your day. Let's talk a little bit about uh, the Utah State Aggie basketball program and their new head coach, Ryan Odom. Let's get out to the zone phone. Joining us now, he covers college sports for the Washington Post. He's Patrick Stevens with us here on The Big Show. Patrick, thanks for a few minutes. How are you? I am well. How are you guys doing? Hey, we are doing great. Uh, Let's tell Aggie fans what kind of head coach they're getting. Uh, They're they're getting a guy that that is a a really, really sharp cookie. Uh, yeah, I think back to five years or so ago when he was being introduced uh, at UMBC, and, and UMBC had had seven consecutive 20-loss seasons and won 41 games in that span. It was really not a good situation to be wor- walking into, and immediately wins 21 games, uh, goes to the CIT semifinals, uh, really figures out a way to, to, to recruit quickly and reload a program that hadn't done much for a decade and then, obviously, the next year uh, heads off to the NCAA tournament and pulls that memorable upset against Virginia. You know, you look at what he's been able to do for the most part. Uh, his teams play really good defense. Uh, and offensively, not quite as sharp over the last few seasons, uh, but overall really elevated that UMBC program uh, during his five years in the, in the Baltimore suburbs. Uh, and I think Utah State's getting a really, really good coach. Now, that game that you referenced there, I believe it was the score in that game, 74, it was like 20-point victory, right? Yeah, it, uh, it was, it was 74-54, yep. Yeah, against uh, UVA. First of all, you got to understand that my partner over there is a Vatek fan, and so he uh, it was great. he's all for One of the best anybody days ever. That, that beats UVA. So he's... He's uh, he's. <laughs> I'm a big fan <laughs> already. Ryan's got great favor with Jake, but... Uh, in that game, how did they pull that off? Well, I would tell you this: that that team had a really exceptional little point guard, five foot eight guy named KJ Mora, who really just a, a fearless little guy, uh, and then a true scorer in Jarris Lyles, who who uh, Ryan Odom had inherited when he got the job, but also you know managed to keep around for a couple of years. Uh, and you know, when you face that Virginia team. The way that they play, teams kind of psych themselves out, I think, a little bit just by rushing shots and figuring that if they don't take a, something that looks open, uh, that they're just basically not going to get an opportunity to get another decent look in a possession. UMBC moved the ball really, really well. I think they were 12-24 from three-point land, which if you're going to beat a Virginia team that was as good as that one was, you were going to have to either make a bunch of threes or be able to drive to the bucket with some quick guards. 
Uh, and so they made a bunch of threes. And Virginia, they, they got fortunate a little bit, too, that Virginia had an injury issue. They've been without DeAndre Hunter after he'd gotten hurt in the ACC tournament before that. So the, the Cavaliers weren't quite right. But at the same time, UMBC played really well in that game, and it was it was not fluky. I remember watching that game on TV at home, and UMBC was probably up about 12 with 12 minutes to play or something like that. And it's like, you know, they're not going to give this game away. And that, and that, I think, is something that stands out about Ryan Odom's teams is, is that they're really smart. They take care of things that they should take care of. They're disciplined. Uh, and, and an interesting thing that I noticed about him in his first couple seasons that really stood out especially that first year, is because of how he's one of those guys that believes that, uh, you know, it's, it's sometimes better to let guys play through some not just mistakes but tough situations. You're not going to see that quick, quick trigger timeout with a 5-0 or 7-0 run going the other way. He's a guy that's very cerebral uh, and, and is, in his mind is prepared guys to deal with game situations so that he doesn't have to use the timeouts in situations like that. Were folks uh, out there surprised that he left for Utah State? Uh, I, 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 I would say this, that, that you know, UMBC is kind of a, a suburban commuter school, uh, and it really isn't as a, a huge deal locally, I would say. And, and I'm not trying to be dismissive in any way, but it's not. It, it is, it's really you know, between Baltimore and D.C. kind of a pro market. So uh, I, I would say this, that from, from the perspective of somebody that, that pays a, a pretty close attention to college basketball, I thought it was a really smart move on his part going to a school that's really committed to basketball and has a good recent history and a good history really over the last 20 years or so of being able to field really good teams and, and be really competitive. You know, He'd been in the mix for uh, the College of Charleston job that opened up last month when Earl Grant went to Boston College. Uh, and so it's not a huge surprise uh, that after five years – uh, at UMBC that he would be looking for a different gig. Did I expect him to be going a couple time zones away? I, I can't say that. Uh, but I think it's a smart move by him as well as a smart move, move by Utah State in hiring him. What kind of recruiter is Ryan Odom? Well, it, it's, that's a good question. Uh, I, I think you're talking about different kinds of jobs there. Uh, I know that in, in, uh, at UMBC there was a, a lot of looking at, at junior colleges. Also took in uh, – a fair number of guys that, that were either uh, transfers from a, from a level down. For example, uh, you, they had L.J. Owens for, uh, who played a year at William & Mary before he spent the last couple seasons at UMBC. Uh, also looked internationally, had a, had, a couple of, uh, had a couple of guys from England on the roster. I think arguably their best player uh, this past season, certainly one of their most important the last few years, R.J. Idlerock, uh, the junior guard. Uh, came from England, and then there's obviously guys uh, from the Baltimore, Washington area. It's a it's a good area for 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 basketball, and and some of his best players were also from from that neck of the woods. So I don't know if there's a specific uh, recruiting philosophy there, uh, but I suspect, given his history, that he'll he'll have a, a a pretty good plan in action, ready to go right right from the jump once he gets into Logan. 
We're talking to Patrick Stevens from the Washington Post, talking about the new Aggie head coach, Ryan Odom. And I've been trying to figure out the best way to word this question. But, you know, uh, the guy who's replacing Craig Smith at Utah State was a big-time energy guy, a big positivity type of dude. And we've had coaches around here like, say, you know, Rick Majerus or, or probably a better example, Jerry Sloan with the Jazz. or kind of more hard-nosed, demanding type coaches. So what is, what is Coach Odom's vibe? What, what, what type of guy is he? He's a thinker, I think, uh, as much as anything else. There's the thing that, that stands out to me. And, and I've known Ryan real, before he got the UMBC job. He was an assistant at Virginia Tech, and I was, I was covering Maryland. So we crossed paths a few times uh, in those ACC days. Uh, and, and the thing that stands out about him is, is he's somebody that thinks about stuff. He, 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 he really sizes up situations and, and makes judicious decisions. And, and so – you know, I, I don't know if that's necessarily, you know, a guy that's going to be a huge rah-rah, you know, that, that kind of thing. Uh, but he's definitely a guy that's going to think through things and, and size up situations really well, uh, a really thoughtful person. And I, and I think he'll fit in well. He's obviously not Craig Smith by any stretch of the imagination, but, but I think he, he will prove to be a pretty worthy successor for him out there. He's the son of a coach. I mean, no one, he, he probably he grew up eating and drinking and thinking basketball. He, he absolutely is the son of a coach. You know, he played uh, – his dad was an assistant coach at, at Virginia uh, through a good chunk of the, the, the 80s and uh, late 70s working for Terry Holland, uh, was a head coach in East Carolina, was a head coach at Wake Forest. Uh, I think Ryan was off in college by the time the, the height of the Tim Duncan era uh, was, was underway down in Winston-Salem, played at Hampton, Sydney for Tony Shaver, who was a longtime head coach at William & Mary. Uh, and, and has obviously been in the business here for for 20 years or so now. Uh, and so, yeah, you know, you know, Dave Odom is a guy that that would pop up from time to time uh, at, up in uh, up in Catonsville here in the Baltimore area, uh, and, and a guy who's who's well known for for being a, a pretty talkative and 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 chatty person. So, you know, R- Ryan's very engaging in that way too. Uh, but I I think also, you know, he, he's got his own personality. Uh, but I'm sure he did pick up quite a bit over the years. Uh, from a dad that, that coached at Wake Forest in the ACC and at South Carolina in the SEC. What did you think about last night's game and uh, how the tournament rounded out? Well, you know, on the one hand, you got to give Baylor a ton of credit uh, for being able to piece together the game that it did at both ends of the floor. I thought it was it really took advantage of Gonzaga's defensive uh, really weaknesses. I, I was surprised just how vulnerable Gonzaga was there. Um, but at the same time, you've got to be a little disappointed after having a, this one-versus-two matchup that everybody had been waiting for uh, since December, really, because the teams were supposed to play. I think it was back on December 5th, and the game didn't get played. You finally get it, and Baylor's up 9 nothing out of the shoot, and it's really not a, a terribly competitive game. So you know, I, I, I give a lot of credit to Baylor for being able to snip the nets and, and, and hang that first championship banner. Uh, but I would say that the game itself probably did not live up to the expectations so many people had for it and the hopes that those two teams would play at some point this season. It was just a tremendous performance by Baylor and, and probably the worst that Gonzaga has played all season. And Baylor obviously had quite a bit to do with that. Patrick, thank you very much for jumping on with us. We really appreciate it. No problem. Thanks so much for having me, fellas. Appreciate it. Thanks for coming on. Patrick Stevens uh, covers college sports for the Washington Post. Uh, coming on with us and uh, giving us uh, kind of a little insight of uh, what kind of coach Utah State's getting.